you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. NFL Explained is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. Hey everyone, we're just a couple weeks away from one of the biggest events on the NFL calendar and no doubt a day a number of young players are going to remember for the rest of their lives. Of course, I'm talking about the NFL Draft where stars from college will have a chance to embrace the commissioner with probably a little more force than it is appreciated in front of <laughs> millions of fans. It is the NFL Explained podcast, the NFL Draft. I'm Mike Yam. Hey, Aditi Kinkabwala. Uh, good morning, Mike. I'm laughing, thinking about intricate handshakes and bear hugs and the commissioner being picked up on stage by one especially excited draftee. Are you a bear hug person? I feel like in that moment, I totally would be. Would you not? Yeah. No, you got it. I to me, I'm I, I'd be a bear hug person. You kidding me? My life just changed. It's it's all the hard work, my entire life dedicating myself to trying to be the best I can be, and then it comes to fruition. I get drafted by an NFL team. Yeah, I'm bear hug. I'm tears? bear hug all the way. Would you be tears or just big uh, smile? There might be. I'll embrace it. I'm I can be that kind of guy. So yeah, I, there might be a a tear or two shed, tears of joy. <laughs> well, you know what? It's the raw emotion that is part of why the draft has exploded. It takes up a primetime TV slot. There's a red carpet now for players and their moms sometimes. And it's changed venues in recent years. We are going to get to that because it is one of my favorite parts of the draft coming up this year, the giant grown-up playground that is Las Vegas. But to see just how far we've come, Mike, we really should take our listeners back to a time when there was actually no film to watch on potential prospects and there were no mock drafts. No there mocks. was no scouting combine, none of that. And then there's actually, you know what, Mike, before the draft, there was the pre-draft years and <laughs> the pre-draft years, the Bears, the Packers, the Giants were the ones that just dominated the league because they're the ones that had the most money and they could sign the top college players, guys like Red Grange and Don Hudson. So it was really Burt Bell, who was Philadelphia's co-owner and by the way, a future commissioner who proposed a draft for the first time in 1936. And his argument at the time 
was that it would increase competition and it would make all of the nine franchises financially viable. And February 8th of that year, all of the NFL owners unanimously approved that idea. And while the order of the draft still generally remains worst to first, although there's been some conversation about a lottery, Mike. But anyway, as of now, the draft is still worst to first. The mechanics surrounding it are very, very different. No lottery. No lottery, please. I know the (laughs) NBA does it. Um, no, I'm good. I'm good with this. I, I'm I'm a planner. I like to know what is about to happen. The lottery uh, would be complete chaos. And then those mock drafts just would feel a whole lot different for me. And Lord knows I live in the world of mock drafts. But um, kudos to Burt Bell, by the way, because that is, I mean, great idea, obviously. Um, you know, I think we take for granted what the draft is and trying to maintain a, a certain level of of competition. But let's continue going down memory lane here. So in year number one, it was nine rounds and nine teams. And if you're like nine teams, well, trust us, you can go back to one of our early episodes where we go through the names and the history of the NFL and those franchises. It's actually our first two episodes of this podcast. So highly encourage you to go back. But Aditi, you hit the nail on the head. No tape to analyze, no combine, complete chaos in my mind. Selections were made from newspaper clippings and word of mouth. So think old school Twitter. When I say newspaper clippings, instead of looking on the screen, they were actually hard copy. Your fingers would have a little ink on them and not feel great after you read them. But the point is, that's how teams were trying to figure out who they should take. Draft selections were untimed. Oh, boy. And the league pulled together a list of 90 players written on a blackboard where teams could make their picks. Aditi, something tells me your handwriting better than mine, but you had that's an important job, whoever was writing those names up on the big board. Uh, with the first ever pick in the NFL draft, the Eagles actually selected University of Chicago's Jay Bergwagner. He was the 1935 Heisman Trophy winner. Now, when the Eagles felt like they couldn't meet his demands of $1,000 a game, Aditi, they decided to trade his rights to the Bears. Well, we just talked about the Bears being one of the richer original clubs, right? So could they pay him? 15K is what he was asking for. George House is like, "Mm, I don't know about that. How about this? He he decided to go work for a rubber company instead. (laughs) Like, can you imagine in this day and age, you go play in the NFL or you can go work in a rubber company? I don't know that you could find a rubber company that could pay more than an NFL salary these days. Uh, That's actually a really good point, even at that league minimum. So with the draft (laughs) gaining a ton of steam, the L.A. Rams were the first team to hire a full time scout and it paid dividends. They reached the championship game three times over the next five seasons, including one title. Kudos to the scouting departments across the NFL. So when the AFL arrived on the scene as a competing league in 1960, the NFL had a secret draft in 1959 to keep the AFL from grabbing any star players in the first year of their existence. Box them out, baby. All right. So they use strategies (laughs) like having babysitters to watch over top college prospects so the AFL couldn't contact them in any way. Aditi, kind of a cool story, and you know my background covering college football. I've heard enough of these recruiting stories that if you are an upper echelon college recruit, sometimes coaches, they get assigned to you and sort of in the same way where they will wait. I've heard plenty of coaches will wait outside before signing day. I don't know if it's changed because of the early signing period and how that's worked, but some teams will actually assign a coach so that other coaches can't go and manipulate and have conversations with some of those players. Now, of course, their cell phones and the whole thing, but the point is you got to do what it takes to win. 
roots back to the NFL in the 1950s. Well, look, the two leagues finally merged in 1967. That started what we now know as the common draft era. And it was actually the Steelers that got a little lucky on its way to a dynasty. 1970, the Steelers and the Bears had tied for the worst record. So there was a coin toss to decide who gets the number one overall pick. Pittsburgh wins, and the Steelers use that selection on Terry Bradshaw, the quarterback who would eventually lead them to four Lombardi trophies. They then put together in 1974 the draft, Mike, that has to stand to this day as the all-time best draft ever by one team. 1974, Mike Webster, Jack Lambert, Lynn Swan, and John Stallworth. Four Hall of Famers chosen in one draft by one team. Now, Dick Haley and Bill Nunn were the architects of that scouting, of that drafting. And the Bill Nunn piece of this is really, really interesting because he used to be a newspaper writer. He was a newspaper writer in Pittsburgh. And then the Steelers decided that he really had a tremendous eye for talent. And he started helping the Steelers with their scouting. And what Bill Nunn did was really open an avenue to historically Black colleges and to African-American athletes who are often overlooked. He finally was recently inducted into the Hall of Fame. But I can tell you this, in the city of Pittsburgh, Bill Nunn is tremendously revered and recognized. I can't imagine that, by the way. Yeah. I mean, think about that, Mike. Can you imagine one team right now getting four Hall of Famers in one draft? No, it's crazy. Sometimes I think to myself in an entire draft, how many potential Hall of Famers are going to be in just the entire draft? Oh, that's such a good point. You know what? That would make a really good... uh, That might be one of the questions I throw in for our next Grab Bag episode. Oh, yeah. I like that Which year produced the most total Hall of Famers? Yeah. Across all teams. All right, file that one away in your notepad, Mike. Anyway, back to this one. In the 1970s, the NFL decreased the number of draft rounds from 20 down to 12. It stayed at 12 rounds until 1993. Now, in the 1970s, one of the more notable draft traditions was born, and that was when a former NFL wide receiver, Paul Salata, approached Commissioner Pete Rozelle, and he asked if he could celebrate the last pick in the draft and call him Mr. Irrelevant. The celebration, as Paul Salata saw it, would be a flight to Newport Beach, California and a parade. And wouldn't you know it, it was the Steelers who had the final pick in the 1976 draft. They chose Kelvin Kirk. He thought he was being mocked, but then he ended up agreeing. I mean, come on, it's a free flight to Newport Beach. Except he missed the flight. (laughs) The parade, however, Mike, still went on and they found a local butcher to fill in for Kirk. A local butcher. Okay. Um, yeah, whatever it takes. How do you miss the flight? That's a story for another episode, Mr. I'm Irrelevant. sure. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad you bring up the idea of Mr. Irrelevant and just sort of the pomp and circumstance that comes with the TV coverage. So the draft itself was becoming a real event. ESPN actually televised it for the first time ever in 1980. And at that point on, no turning back for the first 52 years of the draft. It was held on a Tuesday and Wednesday. The draft moved to a Sunday and Monday from 1988 to 94, mainly because the Marriott Marquis offered the NFL a better rate on the days for the ballroom space, which is just crazy. Always have to look for a bargain. No, no Expedia points, I guess, to, to, <laughs> to sort of bring the, the cost down. 
those reward numbers. The draft, it actually moved to the weekend slot in 1995 when the event was moved to Madison Square Garden. It did a one-year stopover at the Jacob Javits Convention Center in 2005 before settling in 2006 at Radio City Music Hall. Jets fans really found their voices, if you recall. <laughs> I know, Aditi, you certainly did. The NFL Network began actually simulcasting at that point, and it just sort of really took off to another gear. That's also the year the time allotted between picks decreased. Round one went from 15 minutes to 10 in 2008. Round two moved down to seven minutes from 10. So in 2010, the drafts went to primetime, moving the first round to Thursday and the next two rounds to Friday night. Now, the ratings actually increased 35% in that first year in primetime. The first round of the 2021 draft saw 12.6 million viewers, according to the Nielsen ratings, which for perspective is about the same as the clinching game of last year's NBA Finals and Major League Baseball's World Series. So just like the league is looking to do the NFL Combine, the league actually just started a bidding process for draft locations rather than just keeping it in New York, which is kind of a cool thing. Let's spread the love a little bit. It had been there from 1965 to 2014. It has since made stops. Chicago twice, Philly, Dallas, Nashville, the commissioner's basement, which I think was cool, but probably not Roger Goodell's favorite location. Uh, that happened, obviously, in 2020 during COVID. And then, of course, Cleveland. And as we mentioned at the top, 2022, Aditi, yes, loss. Vegas. I hope you're growing to this. We can't gloss over this. It, it, what's really funny about this is that the draft was forced to move. The NFL has done a tremendous job of turning what are seemingly mundane or procedural events into huge events like the draft, like the combine where fans can sit in the stands now. But this wasn't actually an active choice. What happened is that Radio City Music Hall was booked. And if I'm correct, I believe it was the ice capades <laughs> that were going oh to be God. at Radio City Music Hall in April and May. So the NFL had to move and then happened upon this idea of showcasing other NFL cities by turn. And this has just been one of my favorite, favorite, favorite things. Now, who can forget the throngs of people partying in Nashville? And then I'll tell you, last year, I got to be boots on the ground in Cleveland for the week leading up to the draft, Mike. And we did bits at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We did bits with some of the great restaurants in town. And what it was is that you think about NFL fans looking at stadiums on their TVs. And usually, many times, Mike, these fans watch games on TV and all they really know of the city where this team is playing is the stadium or whatever the drone blimp shot shows them. The draft moving gives each of these NFL cities an opportunity to showcase so much more of what it is beyond just the stadium. And I'm a huge, huge fan. I love the idea of moving the draft around and cute little aside... The draft was in the commissioner's basement in 2020. He made picks from an old, old, old armchair. That armchair was sent to Cleveland <laughs> last year. <laughs> and I did joke on air that um, Roger Goodell's wife, Jane, asked that we not send it back. <laughs> Nostalgia. Uh, I guess not enough to, to keep him the commissioner's <laughs> man cave. Um, an old piece of furniture that someone's looking yes. to get rid of. 
Anyway, we're caught up on how we went from a chalkboard to the bright lights of Sin City. So when we come back, we'll take a look at some of the more interesting draft day facts, like which colleges have sent the most players to the league and much, much more. When we come back, NFL Draft Explained. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair? Or to have hair plugs. I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah, like check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, <laughs> hey, hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you know do that with everyone you meet? try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard. But All right, so what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, all right. Welcome back to NFL Explained. Didi Kinkabwala with Mike. Yeah, Mike. Top quiz time right off the top. Ready? Jeez. Come on. Well, no, but yes. (laughs) Which NFL team has the worst winning percentage since the merger? Oh, I thought you were going to give me like a softball. Um, There's a part of me that wants to say, God, process of elimination. Um, Lions, Bucks, Jets. I'm just trying to think of some some teams that have had. 
Oh, I just had some wins. Not really. Ah, I don't know. The, the, can I go with one of those three, maybe? Uh, all right, fine. Browns. That's the way you want to do it. It is actually the Tampa Bay Bucks. They have won 40.2% of their games. So it does stand to reason that the Bucs actually also have the most number one overall draft pick since 1967, even though they didn't actually enter the league as a franchise until 1976. (laughs) But even crazier than that, Mike, was that their first ever draft pick, Leroy Selman, turned into a Hall of Famer, despite all of wow. those early struggles from the team. Now, of course, following the Bucks on the list of most number one overall selections are the Bills, the Bengals, the Browns, the Colts, and the Patriots, all of whom have had four. There are only three teams that have never had the joy or pain of having the first overall pick. Got any guesses there? Uh, the Ravens are one that I do know just because of the, the move and whatnot. So I will, I'll say Ravens for sure. And, and by the way, I like how I angered probably three franchises when I only have anger one. <laughs> Next time you put me in that position, I'm only going to go with one team. So. Well, you got one, right? So okay. how can Bucks fans be upset? Oh, well, just because they're probably just mad at me, but you're right. Uh, just because I mean, they're probably just angry. It's although they should be in a good mood, right? Like the team, they got Brady back. So someone's always fine. mad at you. In any yeah. case, there are yeah, only three teams that have never had the first overall pick. The Ravens, as you said, and also the Broncos and the Seahawks. Okay. All right. So we're, we're in there. Uh, at some point, I got to flip the script here on some of these quizzes for you. But you mentioned the Bucks drafting the Hall of Famer in Leroy Selman at one. 14 times a number one overall pick has gone on to wear a gold jacket. It's kind of crazy. But the pick that has produced the most busts in Canton, the sixth overall pick with 15. Ooh. So sixth, the lucky number in the NFL. Uh, they probably have a few more on the way. Julio Jones, Quentin Nelson of the Colts. There's also this other guy, um, Gunslinger, one of my favorites in the league, Justin Herbert. He might be on his way. We Time will tell. There's a whole lot of football still left in his career. So I don't know if I should should say he's all the way Canton bound, but he's having some success. That division. Talk about putting pressure on a young man, but okay. Since we're talking about pressure, and you did just say the word bust, as in the statues that are in the Hall of Fame, I'm going to flip that and talk about some of the all time draft busts, as in top picks who flopped. Mike, what qualifies as a bust in your mind? Okay. So I don't, there's got to be like a technical term for it. I'm actually not crazy about the term bust because I think what normal casual fans or even some some hardcore fans don't realize is the amount of dedication it takes to get to this point, right? So you are still elite when you are drafted in the NFL, just some guys don't have the same amount of success. So if you said to me, what defines the term bust? I would say the level of success that that pick number wise tends to have in the league and if you if you don't meet that threshold so let's just say you're the number one overall pick and you just you're out of the league in a couple years well clearly you haven't lived up to the expectation level of being a number one overall pick so for me that would sort of classify at least be one factor in defining bus well i don't know if it's just expectation i would also say the amount of capital that a team expends to get someone so again you know there's more capital associated with the second overall pick as compared to the third pick in the seventh round. Anyway, having said all of that, because of that point, I think a lot of people will immediately think of Ryan Leaf just because he's forever linked to Peyton Manning, who went number one overall in 1998. Leaf was chosen by the Chargers, number two. 
and then went on to compile a career record of 4-17 and while tossing 14 touchdowns and 36 interceptions. There's actually quite a few other notable quarterbacks who went number one overall and proved to not be the most ideal of choices. There's Tim Couch, who was drafted by the Browns in 1999 and produced a record sure. of just 22 and 37. Jamarcus Russell, who was taken number one by the Raiders in 2007 after posting a career record of just seven and 18. He was released in 2010 and then he never played again. You know, it's interesting though, to your point, we talk about the Browns and drafting a quarterback number one. A few years ago, they drafted Baker Mayfield number one overall. Yeah. And Baker Mayfield ended a very, very long playoff drought. Baker Mayfield led the Browns to their first winning season in wherever. Baker Mayfield and the Browns are about to divorce before the end of his first contract. I don't know that I'd call him a bust because of all that he accomplished, but I don't know that he matches the expectations of a number one overall pick, as you just said, especially in a year when we talk about the Ryan Leaf, Peyton Manning and how you're always kind of compared, especially in a year where Josh Allen was also chosen and Lamar Jackson, who's won an MVP, was also chosen. Sure. It's all really, really good points. So I'm actually typing the question into my notes page on my phone. What's the technical definition of a bust. That will be for our mailbag episode. <laughs> I will be asking that question when we when we throw that one back I don't know that there's an answer to that mix. one. Yeah. Something tells me our research team at NFL Network will be able to figure that one out. They're really good at stuff like that. A couple other players you could throw out there. Achilles Smith, Oregon product, drafted by the Bengals in 1999, number three overall. This one stings a little bit because New Orleans actually offered nine picks to move into the third spot. The Bengals instead said, you know what? We're rolling the dice with them. 3-14 and 14 record for Cincinnati in that time. Bengals also had the number one overall pick four years earlier when they took Penn State running back, Kajana Carter. He rushed for 747 yards in four seasons with Cincinnati. Oof. You know, it, it makes me sad. The top picks that don't work out because obviously, you know, yeah. the expectations are absurdly high for them. The stories that I love are the guys that were taken later in the draft and turned into hidden gems. The leader in that category, of course, has to be the greatest of all time, Tom Brady. He was taken in the sixth round at pick 199 by the Patriots in 2000. But, you know, another Hall of Fame quarterback, Roger Staubach, and I'm saying that because we all know Tom Brady will be in the Hall of Fame whenever he does actually sure. officially retire and stay retired. <laughs> in any case, another Hall of Fame quarterback, Roger Staubach, 10th round in 1964. He won two Super Bowls with the Cowboys. The Broncos took Hall of Famers Shannon Sharp and Terrell Davis in the seventh and sixth oh, rounds. Yeah. I mean, Antonio Brown, who I know has not exactly been the um, most ideal teammate of late was a sixth round pick by the Steelers digging in deep there which I like did you drop Richard Sherman's name into the mix because he I feel like he should be there he was a fifth rounder by the Seahawks in 2011 I feel like you're showing your West Coast bias but go right ahead there's a little bit of that going on right now only because uh, Stanford was a team that I covered for a very long time how about this for a little nug here on the Cardinal uh, it's coming up on the NFL Explained podcast you go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome back to the NFL Explained Podcast. Mike Yam and Aditi Kinkawalo with you. Aditi, let's get right back to this. How about this for a little nug here on the Cardinals? Stanford has the second most quarterbacks drafted since the Common Era began. 17. 17, which is kind of crazy. Aditi, you know, you're always doing the pop quiz thing on me. How about this for you? Do you know which school has the most, though, when it comes to quarterbacks drafted in the Common Era? I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. It's a Pac-12 school. Pac-12. Did you notice how I said Pac-12? Like, I didn't know if I was saying Pac-12 or Pac-10 right there. Um, oh, well, it has to be USC. Wasn't there like Fight that on. year where like it was like Matt Leinart and Mark Sanchez and Matt Barkley and like anybody and everybody? Like, you just had to play the position and you'd be drafted out of that school? Yeah, that's what happens when you go to USC uh, and you're the team starting quarterback. You get thrust into the Heisman conversation. Everyone thinks you are bound for NFL stardom, but you're right. You hit the nail on the head. SC, 19 of those quarterbacks. Carson Palmer's probably the one who had the best NFL career of the group. Maybe there's some conversation and debate to be had there, but I'd throw his name into the mix. Florida State, Washington, Ohio State actually round out the top five schools with the most quarterbacks drafted since 1967. Buckeyes, though, have the most players drafted in the first round with 83, followed by, yeah, we'll say it again, USC, then Alabama, Notre Dame, and Miami. The school with the most number one overall picks, damn, Trojans. Talk about that history. USC and Oklahoma, both with five Aditi. I feel like this is such a generational thing, too. You know, if you would ask me, and yeah. I'm thinking about the last, let's call it five drafts, I'm definitely thinking SEC. Oh, no doubt. Right? No Whether doubt. it's Alabama or LSU or... But again, everything is cyclical. And so we were just mentioning players drafted in the first round. How about this one? Okay. Father-son combos drafted in the first round. And, and listen to this. There's actually two instances of a dad being a first-rounder and two of his kids being taken in the first round. Actually, if you think about it, I think they're probably pretty obvious, yeah. Well, the Mannings, right? Like, that's that's 
that's Definitely. the layup for me. I'm trying to remember who the other. So there's another well, and here's one. what's what crazy about that too. Okay. Archie Manning was drafted by his hometown Saints in 1971, and then Peyton, like we mentioned earlier, was taken by the Colts in '98. And Eli Manning was the number one overall pick of San Diego in 2004, but he didn't want to play there, and so of course he spent his entire career with the Giants. But here's what's crazy: there could be a nephew, there could be a third generation first round pick because. Peyton and Eli's older brother, Cooper, has a son named Arch. Mike, he's a superstar in high school right now. You kind of have to be with that name, don't you? (laughs) Well, here's another name that has pulled that out. And you mentioned Ohio State. Well, Joey and Nick Bosa were drafted in the first round in 2016 and 2019. And their dad, of course, was a longtime NFL player drafted in the first round in 1987 out of Boston College. And I'll tell you this, I was at Nick Bosa's pro day at Ohio State. I met his dad and he looked like he could still play or put the hurt on somebody. That does not surprise me at all. I remember actually being at a Niners practice before the season had started. Dude looks like a Greek god. I mean, the the whole family, the genetic thing, it is definitely a real deal because it's not just physically what you have, but just think about being around NFL dudes all the time. How often, you mentioned pro days, Aditi, how often do you go to a pro day or do you see a guy or talk to a player who's in the NFL and you hear that their dad or their uncle was a coach or a former player themselves? Like all of that exposure to, to the game, I think gives them a, a huge edge and Once again, it does come down to genetics because I could have been exposed to it my entire life. Aditi, I am playing in the NFL. That's not going to (laughs) happen. It's interesting you say that because I was just at Kenny Pickett's pro day, the quarterback out of Pitt, and I met his parents who are the most lovely people. And I was chatting with his dad about how Kenny knew he wanted to be a quarterback at the age of five. And that was that. But of course, in high school, he did play other positions. And so when I asked Kenny, I said to him, hey, your dad said you could have made a pretty good linebacker, too. He laughed and he said, that's high praise because his dad was a really good linebacker. And he said, I hope I bring that edge to the quarterback position. So there's definitely Uh, that. Did you shake his dad's hand? (laughs) I'm trying to actually, as we chat here, there are two guys this year whose fathers were drafted in the NFL, who had older brothers who were drafted and who also could be drafted now. So BC offensive lineman Alec Lindstrom has a father, Chris, who played in the NFL and made a Pro Bowl and an older brother who is in the NFL named Chris. And then Michigan State fullback Connor Hayward has a father, Craig Ironhead Hayward, who, of course, was in the Pro Bowl and has a big brother, Cam Hayward, who is the great defensive lineman for the Steelers, who as well has made the Pro Bowl. I don't believe that either of these young players are going to be first round picks, though. You think Kenny's a first quarterback off the board? I do, actually. Okay. But let's get back. Let's get back to this one. So anyway, some of the other father-son combos that are drafted in the first round, the Steelers have another one. Devin Bush, who's their middle linebacker. Devin Bush Jr. was drafted in 2019. His dad, Devin Bush, also was drafted in 1995. Jamal Adams, 2017. His dad, George Adams, 1985. Of course, Jake Matthews and Bruce Matthews. Craig and Cam Hayward, as I just said. Mark Ingram. His dad was also a first-round pick. Clay Matthews Jr. and Clay Matthews, they were both first-round picks. Kellen Winslow Jr. and his dad, Kellen Winslow, were also first-round picks. And then, of course, the Mannings, as we said, and the Bosas. Okay, this is purely an opinion. There's no wrong answer, right answer, but I will ask you the question, Aditi, before we wrap up this show. The best father-son 
combo in pro sports. Oh. Because there's one that comes to mind, but I think the Mannings might have it, but I don't, to me, the Griffies. Oh, I was literally going to say that. I can't believe you took it out of my mouth like that. I love how I asked you the question, then I answered, then answered it before, it before you before could. giving me a chance to answer. <laughs> I was giving you time. I was, that's what like, you know, a good friend does. Like they, you know, okay, you, you give them time to, run through to the give the NHL, the, the NBA, the NFL and Major League Baseball that quickly. Plus, like maybe golf and tennis and some other things. Yeah. All right, great. Thanks, Mike. All right, Aditi. The one thing that I think we can say we both learned in this podcast, not only draft related, but just life related, genetics is a real thing. Hype around the draft. It's going to be a ton of fun. Vegas, April 28th. Aditi, you've been covering Pro Days. I've been covering Pro Days. I know we will be glued to the television. Hopefully, actually, no, I will be working in studio, Aditi. I don't know if you're going to head to Vegas for the draft, but nonetheless, I know everyone. We went through the television ratings a little bit earlier on this show. I would imagine a lot of eyeballs, the future of the league. We will be uh, a front row seat for it in Vegas. Once again, NFL Network, you can catch it on April 28th. And you'll definitely have a lot more information at your draft party to share with all your friends. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for joining us. That was the NFL Draft Explained. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.